The Unstuff America podcast is hosted by the most organized man in America, Andrew Mellon. Listen in for Andrew's take on America's clutter crisis. From guns to gold, he dives deep into America's self-destructive obsession with possession and how that impacts the American dream. Get real-life tools and strategies to take responsibility, set yourself free, and live your values every day. And now, Andrew Mellon. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unstuff America. I'm your host, Andrew Mellon, and I'm super excited to introduce you to our guest today, who is Kelly Green. Kelly is based in Florida, and she'll share more about her background with everybody. Kelly reached out to me several weeks ago to talk to me about death cleaning, which has been on her mind because there's a couple of older women that she's been in a relationship with and doing some work around decluttering and specifically around this topic, which is something that since I was at Rancho La Puerta a year ago, and just as a sidebar, I'll be back, I'll be back in a couple of weeks again. We were talking during one of my sessions there about uh, death cleaning and just this idea of what do we do with the stuff when people leave, right? And what do we do with the stuff before people leave if we can have some, if we can bring some awareness to that process before they leave? Because even if you're King Tut, you're going to leave and there's going to be a bunch of stuff left behind. <laughs> want to be thought about that process because believe me, when you leave, there will be stuff left behind and who's going to deal with it, right? If there's not a plan for it and you didn't get rid of it before you left, then somebody's going to, it's going to be somebody else's mess. And that's not really what we want to be anybody's legacy. So without further ado, I just want to bring Kelly into the conversation and then we'll talk more about this idea. So Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. A little bit about myself. I am a social media consultant, not working a whole lot at the moment because of a medical condition, but I still do a lot of writing about theme parks. I'm a Florida native, and I have women in my life who have brought me to this place. (laughs) I Actually, I bought Andrew's book on Audible. And I'm so glad you have that resource out there for people because while I can't have you come to my house, it's a little bit of a commute for you to central Florida, but um, it was like you were holding my hand working in my own house and got me thinking about uh, how clutter affects my life and the people around me. And as, as you said, I reached out because the, the two women who ironically were both born in February of 1924, um, have 180 degree apart uh, views on end of life cleaning. (laughs) So one, uh, the beautiful lady, number one is Irene, my grandmother. And she recently had a stroke. Mm. And so um, my husband, Matt, and my son, Daniel, and a host of other friends and family members and hired guns have been going over to her house every weekend for probably about seven, seven weeks wow. on the weekends. Where, huh? Where is she based? Uh, she's in, in Volusia County, Got it. which is just a county over, but it's a little bit of a hop, skip and a jump. Got it. And so we've been um, purging through her things because she's not going to be able to live independently any, anymore. And the 95-year-old other lovely lady is a neighbor of mine, M, and she is 
completely the opposite. I think if she said, Kelly, come clean out my house, um, it would probably take, instead of seven weeks, about seven minutes almost because she has purged down to the point of having like four shirts and four pants. And I mean, it's that bare. I kid you not. I, it's shocking how bare it is. Right. And so, so this is very interesting, right? I mean, we've got these two women uh, who their approach historically to stuff. I mean, you can tell us a little bit more about M. I mean, we have a sense from your, about your grandmother that if, if it's a seven week long project and it's not finished yet, grandma has some stuff, right? But <laughs> M at this point doesn't. Right. One of the curious things would be in, in, in their life earlier, I'm guessing, you know, your grandmother has been living this way with stuff for quite some time. I wonder if M's journey was similar where when she, if she had a family, if she had a, if she had a bigger footprint in the world, when she had more responsibilities, more people around her, right. and, and it's been a mindful process for her now that her life has not gotten smaller. And this is something that I want to talk about, right? That there are many people who are in their 80s, 90s, and even their hundreds who live quite robust, participatory, engaged lives. Oh. They're just not involved with stuff, right? So I want to be really clear that you, yes. that the idea of downsizing your belongings doesn't mean that you're downsizing your impact in the world or how you're participating. Absolutely. So I have to tell you, M, I kid you not, walks at least two miles a day in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. She's out there. She sits in her garage like it's her front porch. She talks with all of her neighbors. And I know that uh, prior to her downsizing, she, you know, had a normal household. It's not as if she lived practically Japanese her whole life. Right. She had, um, she collected art from other countries. She has this, you know, a couple beautiful pieces still left, but they were things that truly had a story and a legacy and a meaning to her. Mm -hmm. And she decided about five years ago that she has one son living and that she did not want him to have to sort through all the stuff that was not meaningful. Yeah. And I think that's the key yeah. is it's uh, and listening to your book and having you talk through the process with somebody, the story about the lady with the clock and her dad comes to mind because <laughs> I, I make myself um, replay that, that clip of the book over and over because that clock is not your dad. It's not your grandfather or whatever. Because uh, it's really hard. And these women um, look at it differently. And M decided that that wall hanging that she had someone buy her from Spain after the war, you know, <laughs> that was something that um, meant a lot to her. So she's keeping that. But her knickknack, paddywhack, Eiffel Tower keychain not so much because right. she has the memories of being in the places that meant something to her. Right. And so the actual items, um, not, not so much. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Right. Because I think that there certainly in my work, we talk a lot about story and the specificity. And I think it's interesting. I, I, I would guess, I mean, I haven't met your grandmother, but I would guess for folks who have too much stuff, they they do have a story about all of those objects, but I I feel like, and this is my position <laughs> as an expert, and as somebody who's been doing this work for you know multiple decades, 
it's not that there's not a story, but the idea of some sort of active curation of the stories themselves, right? At some point, I think there's, there's, a, there's a pivot in the road where you're either uh, inwardly facing or outwardly facing, backward facing or forward facing, right? And the idea that, that and, and there's no judgment here. I want to be super clear uh, to anybody who's listening that it, one isn't better than the other. Uh, and at the same time, one does want to be thoughtful about how one is living one's life every day. So it's not that... M is superior to grandma. <laughs> no, it's, I love them both. <laughs> yeah, it's it, but but there is something there about how M is making choices uh, that matter to her, and perhaps grandma's a bit stuck. Yes, where grandma, if she could, if she had a mindset shift, right, could get on board with like, right, I I get that I have this attachment to all of these belongings, right. And they all do provide some sort of touchstone to a moment in my life, yeah. which cumulatively, you know, is the equivalent of whatever, 80, 90 years. And right. at the same time, uh, who's going to deal with it all when grandma leaves, right? I mean, exactly. memories are only grandma's unless grandma sits down and tells everybody, literally. So let me tell you where this came from, right. why it's important to me, and what I want you to do with it when yeah. I leave, right? right? Grandma's not that actively involved if it's all just, if it's in boxes in the basement, in the attic, in the garage, in offsite storage, the memory and what it's providing for grandma might still be palpable, and yet it's not translatable. So right. the first person who comes across the box is not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to tap into grandma's memory or sense, sense of experience. They're just going to go like, why did she keep this box of rocks? They're not able to know, well, these are rocks that we picked up at every beach that we traveled at on our honeymoon, right? I mean, right. that's the story, but we don't know that. Exactly. And if there's not a story, you don't, you can't translate that. And sadly, with her stroke, you know, it, she's not ever going to live back at that apartment again. And we have had to, you know, downsize it to a few uh, boxes and she was really big into vintage jewelry. The apple doesn't fall far from that tree. Um, that's kind of my thing too. My mom loves it as well. So that's one story we have in common. But I think the lesson for me and why this interested me so much is the the idea that um, do you're given while you're living so you're knowing where it's going, mm -hmm. not just with your money, but with your time. And yeah. so I want to give to my child who was a miracle. I mean, I only had a 30% chance of ever having a child. So to have him is such a blessing. And this really has me thinking about, okay, I'm not um, 95, <laughs> but I'm 50. And I was a late in life, you know, mom. And so even now, I'm, even though I've got a long time to go here, Knockwood, um, I really want to um, make sure that I plan ahead and plan for his future so that he has these great memories of us and with the health situation that I have, you know, I have good days and bad days and I want to spend those good days doing fun things. You know, we recently went whitewater rafting and my doctor said, yes, I could if I did A, B and C. And so I did everything they said and we got to have this wonderful experience together. And then the next day I had to kind of take it easy. 
you know, I want his life to be filled with those stories and not with objects. Right. And, and so this is exciting to me to, to look at how they both treat this. And I don't think I'm, I'm going to ever be quite as purged as M is. I think there will be more than seven minutes, maybe seven hours. Maybe there's that, that happy medium. Not seven minutes, not seven weeks, but seven hours right. that, that you could decide those things that represent my life. And I had, uh, have you ever heard of like, write, I'm sure you have writing on items, like on the bottom of it. This is for so-and-so. I think that is such a great idea because it tells someone why it's special and why you are special to me and why I want you to have this. Yeah. There we go. So if you can see this, this, uh, this little uh, monkey statue. <laughs> He's awesome. Anybody that I'm related to will get a kick out of this, right? So this monkey used to live on a shelf in my grandmother's house. And, okay. uh, and there's a little sticker on the bottom of it that if you can see it, it says Andy. So uh -huh. it was, uh, <laughs> My grandmother clearly wanted me to have the little monkey with the top hat, so I do. And that has meaning to me. You know, like, I don't have a lot of tchotchkes in my house, uh, right. but I do have the monkey. I, the monkey I've carried with, with me since uh, my grandma died. I mean, it amuses me. It doesn't take up a lot of space, and I don't have, you know, I have the monkey, and I have a mortar and pestle that she used, and I use that in the kitchen all the time to cook. That's so, great. Yeah, I don't keep a lot of things just because they belong. So... I tell in the book, I think, a story of uh, of uh, a Limoges teacup that uh, that I got from my grandmother. My grandmother collected single teacups and saucers. Uh -huh. I drank out of them, just kept them in a ch china closet. And so my aunt, when my grandmother died, gave me a Limoges teacup and saucer. It's a it's like a toy. It holds what six ounces of tea. Right. It's totally fragile and delicate, and it's only one. So right. I'm drinking tea by myself. Yeah. So it just, it, it went to a, it went to a thrift store where perhaps another old lady will buy it and put it on her shelf until she leaves. Right. But for me, it was not, it didn't, it didn't mean anything to me in relationship to my grandmother. I mean, I appreciated that it, my, it belonged to my grandmother and I, right. remember, I remembered it, but it's not the monkey. The monkey is. The, the monkey that, makes you smile. Right, exactly. Or as <laughs> if it were my grandmother, I might, you know, the teacup, because we ladies have these uh, shabby chic decor in each right. place setting is different and that would be cool and that one's for my grandmother and you know right but you know i don't see you having too many tea parties just saying no. i'm not a tea party <laughs> kind of guy no so, uh nothing wrong with tea parties tea no. parties are awesome i'm just not that's not me so point being that uh that yes people you can certainly put stickers on the bottoms of things you can tell people why i just think it, that one of the takeaways is, as you said, do your, do your given while you're living, right? If you want somebody to know why something was important, is important to you, you've got to say it. You can't just think that they're going to intuit because they've yes. it in your house that they're going to discern because it is the ball of aluminum foil under your kitchen sink as well it is, as it is the, the sterling silver tea set. Right. All and they see is these are things that belong to grandma, but they, right. they don't, they're not, they're going to throw the ball of aluminum foil in the, in the recycle bin because they're going to think, well, grandma survived the depression. We don't have a depression. I don't need aluminum foil. And what's interesting to me is these two women, because they were born in the same month, in the same year, it's not that, that one. Right. They're different generations. They live they're the same generation. generation. They're the same, you know, they could have grown up next door to one another. But it has to do with just that, how they want to um, 
to be remembered. And I think for my grandmother, not a judgment thing, but she's just a, afraid of uh, being forgotten. And I don't think, uh, you know, she wrote her name. She writes her name. I'm doing the writing for her. So I met on her items and um, her clothes and her everything. And so it always had her moniker. And I think because of some struggles that she went through in her life, um, that that's a fear of hers. Mm -hmm. And so that's another takeaway for me is how do I want to live my life? Do I want to live it in fear that I'm going to be forgotten? Or do I want to just live in the moment and uh, make an impression on the people who I've been blessed to have in my life? Um, and I'm just learning so much from these women in different ways. Yeah. And that's another thing to, to that we should really dive into just a little bit, right? This idea of being forgotten. And this idea of trying to control circumstances, certainly while you're alive, but then even beyond the grave, this idea right. of immortality or impact. I mean, there's how many billions of people on the planet's surface? We're not going to build statues and monuments to all of us. Right. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to be remembered by the people we touch. And certainly in my, in my uh, in my Buddhist practice, this idea of ripple effects, and you never know, I mean, whether you open the door for somebody who's coming into a building with uh, arms full of groceries, or you cure cancer, the impact that you have in the world, you have no ultimate way of knowing where that impact ends, exactly. and how the influence moves through time and space. And it's not exactly comfort. I mean, because I'm not really looking for comfort, but there's something profound and leveling for me around the notion of do good work in the world and let go of the results because you can't know, right? You open the door for somebody who's trying to get in with groceries and then they go into a laboratory and cure cancer. Right. You know, they would have missed an opportunity if they would have been delayed by 30 seconds or 45 seconds yes. because you didn't open the door. You can't know how things are going to, to ultimately, we, none of us have the perspective to be at 36,000 feet for the rest of the world's right. existence to see, ah, this is how it all plays out. So yes. there is, there's grace and there's something humbling and expansive in letting go of needing to know. Yes. You can't know, right? I mean, you're right. going to be caught in that tension of, I want to know, but I can't know. I want to know, but I can't know. And so often we just, we won't settle into, but I can't know, right? We just want to, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. We just want to stay on that side of the, of the equation instead of like, but I can't know. Right. Or perhaps I should just open my hands and let it fall and participate now because, right. you know, I mean, as we know also, this is the only moment that we, where we actually have agency, right? We have no agency exactly. yesterday and tomorrow is a, is a hope. Mm -hmm. It's not a promise. The present is a gift. Yeah. And I am reading a, another book right now that talks about just one degree different each day and how, you know, if you're flying from one side of the coast to the other, you're either going to be in Atlanta or New York, depending on a degree of the nose of the plane. Right. And I think that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like maybe a lot of your listeners can relate to my feeling that, oh no, I can't accomplish it all tomorrow. So, eh. and so I struggle with that. And, and I'm trying to just move one degree in increments and, and with, uh, I'm having a bad health day. Okay. But tomorrow I can maybe box up one more 
container of things to go to charity or, or whatever. Do you feel that a lot of your listeners fall in that same category? Oh, I <laughs> think... probably I'm not alone in that. <laughs> no, you're definitely, you're definitely not alone. And, and of course, any action is action, right? So even, right. If you, even if you were bedridden for the day and you asked Daniel or Matt, your husband, like, hey, honey, just pick that up and put that in the box, right? I mean, you could still direct them from the bed, right? So any day you can participate, it, it might be a different way of participating. But again, that's partly a mindset shift, right? Of like, if I can't do it, it can't get done. Or if I can't do it this way, it can't, I can't move the needle. But of course you can. Right. And you know, then I confess, I have a little control issue on that. <laughs> Right. But you could say, you know, uh, bring the box over, put it on the bed and we'll go through it together. Right. And I'll direct you. There's plenty of ways for you specifically, Kelly, to participate. But anybody who's listening who uh, is in the story of I can't do it today. Well, you can do something today. You might not be able to do what you thought you were going to be able to do. But you can do something. And I have to say, my husband and son really are great at doing whatever I ask. And they they help me with what I call the only time of of. Uh, cleaning opportunities that are fun are we uh, volunteer as a family and um, I have other fellow bloggers and writers friends and we go to a place called give kids the world village I don't know if you know much about it but it's a it's an 84 acre resort for families that have children with life-threatening illnesses Mm. and they spend a week there and everything's paid for but they have uh, volunteer groups adopt villas and we have two and we go a couple of times to to do the deep cleaning. I mean, they have staff that does the day-to-day um, hotel cleaning kind of stuff, but we pressure wash. My son at age six is out there with the pressure washer in the front of it and pulling weeds. And, and we have a lot of great friends and family that join us. And so those times of year, I really enjoy cleaning because it's, it's like a community project and you're all together. And so it, it's a lot of fun. And you really feel like you're putting that pebble in the water and it's having a ripple effect because some family that, just has to face really sobering things for one week, get to relax and just be pampered. And so, you know, you don't think normally of cleaning a baseboard as being blessing somebody, but it really can. Right. So where, where can we find out more about this organization? What's uh, Give Kids the World Village is gktw.org. And they're just an incredible Say that organization. G-K-T-W. W, give kids the world. Yeah. Give kids, G-K-T-W dot org. Excellent. Or just Google give kids the world village. (laughs) Probably easier. Or talking into your phone. Give kids the world village. Excellent. Well, that's a wonderful thing that you do. And uh, yeah, so let's be clear also that there's a difference uh, between cleaning and organizing, right? They are tied together. We certainly... Once we get organized, uh, we, right. can, we can certainly do a deeper cleaning when we can get to the floor and we can get right. to the baseboard and we can get into the back of a cupboard or a, the back of a closet. Or a garage. Or a garage. <laughs> Which I know is a noun and is a place to put your car, but I'm, yeah. I'm a work in progress, Andrew. I'm a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. I want folks to know that they're, I'm all for cleaning. And I think that, uh, you know, a uh, clean home is a nice. It's a good home. <laughs> Don't confuse cleaning and organizing. Yes, right? Absolutely, yeah. And remember, you know, if we look at the organizational triangle, one home for everything, like with like something in, something out, right? The first two legs are what we use to get organized. Right. Home for everything and like with like. Something in, something out is how we stay organized. And 
And I think it's worth just calling everybody's attention to this idea that, right, anybody can get organized. And chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably have already gotten organized at least once or maybe a dozen times. It's staying organized that my focus is really on, right? I mean, right. I don't, I don't wish for you to be on the gerbil wheel of organizing for the rest of your life. There's right. so much life to live. And again, as M, the sadness for your grandmother with the stroke and how that's going to impact the rest of her life and where she's going to live and how she's going to be able to live. Right. I certainly want, I want it to be a, a call to action for all of, all of the listeners that don't procrastinate and don't live in the story that says, Oh, I can do this tomorrow because you don't have tomorrow. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. This not afternoon, this afternoon or this evening or this morning, depending on when you're listening to it, is not guaranteed. I mean, God forbid, you could walk outside and get hit by a bus, as my grandmother would like to used to say, right? So we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. This is the moment to move into action. Don't, if you're listening to this, uh, go do something while you're listening to it. Go move something. Go clear a counter go put something in a box, go empty the dryer, go fold the laundry, go do something. Don't yeah. sit there immobile and tell yourself, oh, this is the litany of reasons why I can't do it today, but I promise tomorrow will be different. Tomorrow won't be any different if you're not different. Avoidance, the mechanism of choice. I'm all too familiar with that, but I am trying really hard. And your book has really helped me and inspired me along with these two women to each day do something, do one thing. Right. And it's piece by piece, we're eating the elephant because that's the only way you can is one bite at a time. And, yeah. and I look at M and you know, my, my son goes over there once a week and he vacuums for her and, and does things like that. And it's just such an easy chore because the cleaning is easy because there's not a lot of stuff to move. You know, right. he moves the table over and vacuums and puts it back and it's just pretty it's a simpler job to do the cleaning when you don't have as much stuff. Right. And, and so that's why I'm really just anxious to not anxious, anxious is a anxiety word, but I am uh, inspired by the, the prospect of, of getting to that place where like with like and everything has a home and, and I want to be M, but I want to have the, my grandmother has this incredible storytelling uh, ability. She's been a writer for her whole life and, has lots of journals. And so I had to be very conscious of packing away her thoughts and her hopes and her photographs and things. And so I'm trying to send those off to a scanning company so that, you know, she'll be able to look at that and so that we'll have it for future generations. So Daniel will see where he came from on, on his mother's mother's side and, and maybe put all that together somehow. So. Yeah, well, that's great. And again, there, there's another opportunity there if you are related to a writer or something, you know, I mean, whether they're a professional writer or just somebody who writes journals, right. it doesn't there, we're not drawing a line there between uh, getting paid yeah. for doing something to, for it to be a passion or something that you do regularly or that you're committed to. Right. Hopefully. I mean, if your grandmother, I mean, she can, can she still speak? She can still speak. And I've thought about, um, I did a, a thing on StoryCorps which Excellent. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Yeah, um, StoryCorps is an amazing, for the, for the listeners who are not familiar with StoryCorps, StoryCorps, you can go into a, a recording booth for, I think, 30 minutes and uh, ask somebody their life story and record it. And it, it's mm -hmm. saved in the Library of Congress. And it's also yes. available streaming on the website, on the StoryCorps website. It's a great, yes. great thing. It's wonderful. I got to, to be on StoryCorps um, talking with a friend because of the Pulse shootings here in Orlando. 
Mm. And uh, I wrote a song about it and I had different community people. We all got together at a radio station and we did a, a live simulcast and, and sang together and just wanted to give a hug to our community kind of thing. And then StoryCorps was kind enough to let us talk about that and, and share that. And um, I thought about, you know, I should try to get um, on a personal level, you know, that was for a community level, but how each of us can interview the people that have so much meaning in our lives and, and to be able to just put that down and, and have that forever. And so that legacy that you're wanting to have can be there for others to enjoy as well, because there's such great stories on there. I mean, you really can get lost you yes. know, clicking on all the different things and right. someone who, you know, saved a, a cat on an island in World War II and you're just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I was going was just to say that if you have that opportunity, right, it's another thing that you can do to move that forward is to work with somebody to possibly take their journals and turn them into a memoir right. or do something. Because again, while they're alive and can direct you and participate and collaborate with you as opposed to trying to piece it together after the fact, right? right? We're not, we don't necessarily want to get lost in archaeological digs after people leave if there's a way for us to, to turn that into action while they're still here. So yes. much better to be able to go through things with the people who have the memories and the information right. than to try to piece it together forensically afterwards, right? Although, although it is good to have the, the old journals, because I, I tell you, when I was going through the notebooks, trying to find out which ones are like a diary and which ones are, yes, I took my medicine, <laughs> you know, kind of notebooks. And so there were certain pages and something would catch my eye and I took a picture of it on my phone, mm -hmm. like a quote about she grew up in Minnesota and these nuns were very, um, a big part of her life. And she said something about sister so-and-so did something meaningful to her. And so I snapshotted that entry. And so there are things that she might not remember now. Right. So having that combination of the participant in front of you, but also having things to go back on is it's like a great marriage of, of those two things. Yeah. Well, I wasn't suggesting that we get rid of the journals. I was oh, no, no, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. That we, that we act when, when somebody can help us to decode them. Yeah. Then, I mean, you know, we, we, some of us might enjoy reading biographies where it's, you didn't really know the, the subject and you're piecing it together. Uh, the, the writer is piecing it together based on their own forensic ability to right. spin a tale based on the evidence that they can find. But it's right. like a reconstruction of a marble in a museum where there's missing pieces that they fill in with some plaster of mm -hmm. what was probably there. And right. the difference is, if the person's still alive, we don't, yeah. you don't have to guess at what is missing. They can fill in the missing pieces for Right. It won't, it won't be historical fiction like the biography of, or the uh, Diary of Cleopatra, which is right. a read, but a long read. <laughs> yeah. Because right. some, it, you know, it all had to be pieced together and imagined. And, exactly. It's yeah. just, it's, it gives us the opportunity to, to really, to do something meaningful in the moment. That's, that's, that's my takeaway. And, and my other, you know, getting back to the death cleaning, the name of it kind of is, is uh, a misnomer because it's not saying I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to plan for dying next month uh, or next year even, but just being on that path of, of knowing that we're not going to live forever. Um, you know, death and taxes, that's it. Those are the only things for certain. And um, every day we have, we're one step closer. I hate to soberly no. say, but it's true. <laughs> We're not going in the other direction. I mean, only uh, only Benjamin Button is going in the opposite direction. <laughs> the rest of us are, it's a slow, steady walk towards. Exactly. And even those young folks like ourselves have a long way to go. I am so really, thank you so very much for your 
your posts, your book, your podcast, because they, they do just spur me on and give me that hope that I need to get going in that direction and to stay on the course, even when I, for whatever reason, can't, I dream a genie, right. blanket to, <laughs> to being. Well, thank you, Kelly. It's, it's been great talking with you. Remember that you can, we'll post the list, the links in, in the blurb for the podcast where you can go to learn about uh, Give Kids the Village, Give Kids the World. Yes, Give Kids the World Village, right? Right, so uh, we'll post those links and post some other links around death cleaning for uh, if you're interested in learning more about this subject. Of course, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast if you don't subscribe to the podcast, and you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel where you'll find other videos like this one available. Uh, Tune in again for another episode of Unstuff America. Thanks again, Kelly, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's really been great and one day at a time. There you go. One day at a time. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on another episode of Unstuff America. This is Andrew Mellon. I've been your host for today, and I'll look forward to seeing you again very soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Unstuff America. If you like what you've heard, please leave us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes. And be sure to visit andrewmellon.com 